uh, somebody asks, like a pastor asks for us to do this, then we should just be willing and able. And so if it helps, it helps. Uh, I never thought one day in my life that I would ever be up in front of a church sharing God's Word. But then God knows a lot more than I do. <laughs> so anyway, and so we we're going to talk about this morning. I was gonna, I'm going to share. We're going to be in Exodus 8, 1 through 15, and we're going to talk about that. But this morning, a pastor said some things this morning that kind of just made me feel like this was the right message to share tonight. Because, like I said, I never thought for one minute that I would ever be up in front of somebody speaking, let alone a church. If you knew me back in the day, I couldn't even get up without my voice quivering like crazy. But the Lord does miraculous things. I think we heard the pastor say that this morning. So it's, And he, he opened my eyes, and he turned my direction, like pastor said. And when he was sharing that about Paul, we've been sharing Acts at the assisted living for quite a while now. I don't know how long I've been down there, but we've been sharing Acts. <clears throat> and... Uh, pastor was talking about Paul's eyes were opened, but God had to shut him before he opened them. And so it, with some of us, it was like that. Paul, in his word, I mean, in Acts, he shares with one of his testimonies when he's talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and everything. One time he shares, you knew the scriptures. How didn't come you didn't know Jesus? Well, Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was one that persecuted the church. He held the coat of Stephen. He told them it was okay to do this. But Paul knew the scriptures. So we're all blinded at times. It's, um, and sometimes it takes some of us not very long to open our eyes to Jesus. And some it takes 44 years. And I wish it had been earlier, but God's timing is always perfect. And so, in Paul's case, you know, it started uh, on the Damascus Road. And God blinded him for three days. And then he opened his eyes. And then Paul turned another direction. But, you know, the one thing when you read about Paul, and he says it several times, that he does not feel bad about what he did before because he thought he was doing God's will then, too. So we have to realize that, that. And so Paul, in his journey, but the thing about Paul that was so neat and we've been teaching down at Acts is that he was resolved. He was going to share the gospel with whomever would listen. He went through so much. He had, when he finally decided to stop his missionary journey and go to Jerusalem, he went there and the brethren gladly welcomed him. But then the brethren said, would you go in and uh, enter the temple and be purified? This will show the Jews in Jerusalem that you have not turned away away from Moses. So he, he willingly does it. He shaves his head, <laughs> and, and he does that, and he goes and gets purified. And the day he comes out, some Jews from Asia come and, and uh, try to uh, tell lies about him. 
And they'd been following him all over. All through his missionary journey, the, the Jews from Asia would always show up. So they show up and they spew lies about him, un- things that they could not prove. They were unfounded. Um, so the one time happened, the chief captain's got to come and save him. And he takes him and, and, and to, to protect him. And then he, had, he said, well, I want to talk. So he, he uh, addresses the council and they plot to kill him. And then it gets so bad that the chief captain says, uh, you're gonna, that's when he found out that he was a Roman citizen. We heard about that this morning. And uh, so the chief captain says, well, I need to take you down to Felix in Caesarea. So he takes him down to Felix, and Felix uh, hears him and finds no fault, but he keeps him in bonds. Well, not really bonds, but he keeps him imprisoned where he could walk around and stuff, but he was imprisoned for two years. And then Festus, he, has, he says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy because he's requested to go to, to, to Caesar. But he finds no fault in him. And he knows that if he sends someone to Caesar and he can't find any fault, that Caesar might get a little upset. So then he calls on that King Agrippa. We heard about him this morning. And uh, King Agrippa listens. And, and everything, and he says that the... Uh, the end of that chapter, he says, I, I might have let him go. But before that, like Pastor said, the, the, uh, one of the saddest scriptures in anybody's life is he said, you almost convinced me. And that's where our eyes get closed. And, and uh, so Paul heads to Rome, and then we hear the rest of the story, the shipwreck and all the things he goes through. That they won't listen to him about not going, and then they have the... the the seas and all this stuff, and they end up crashing on an island, and they do all this stuff. But you know, one thing about it, Paul never lost his his will, his resolve to preach the gospel to whoever would listen. He was following God's word. God told him, "You're going to go to Rome, and you're going to testify of me." And so he did that. So it brings us to Romans. 8, 1 through 15. And uh, so let's read that. Because there's uh, one scripture verse in this that will turn people's eyes. Is it Romans? Oh, not Romans. Exodus 8, 1 through 15. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in this sermon tonight, I, en- I entitled it... I. Uh, Tomorrow the frogs must go. And so it's, when you, I read the scripture verses, and when we get to verse 10, you'll see where this came from. Um, but first, I think we need to, to just pray for God's presence here in open hearts, and especially for Bonnie and what's going on. Father God, Lord, we love you so much. Lord, and, and we just counted a privilege that we could live up, uh, lift up one of our sisters to you, Lord, and our brother in Christ also, Lord. We pray for Mike, Lord. We know that he's going to be with you, Lord, but we pray for comfort that he would not suffer or go through any of that, Lord. We just praise, praise you that he will be in your loving arms just uh, soon. But Lord, Bonnie is behind. I don't know the family like uh, uh, Bob and Rick and others, but I, I do know that 
they're going to miss their dad and Bonnie's going to miss her husband. And Lord, we pray for comfort for her, Lord, as only you can give it, Lord. We pray for your loving arms to just be wrapped around her, Lord, your hedge of protection to protect her. Lord, just help her through these days and help us help her, Lord, if there's any way we can be used. And Lord, I just pray for us tonight as we look into your words and we look at uh, the responses of Pharaoh and and stuff, Lord, that uh, just uh, use me as a, a vessel to, to share with everyone here tonight what you would want them to hear. Because I know they'll all hear it differently, Lord. The needs that they have in their life, I pray that I uh, this message tonight that will fill those needs, Lord. We love you, and we pray for uh, just a, a wonderful evening together, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now as we read, uh, let's look at uh, 8, 1 through 15. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, and which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into, into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause ponds to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee? and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only. And here's the answer. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people, they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. When you get to verse 10, you got something that's in your bed, it's in your bedchamber, it's everywhere like that, and it's a frog. Why would Pharaoh say tomorrow? But isn't that the way we are? 
44 years I waited for my eyes to be opened and to rid the sins of my life and stuff. So it's not uncommon, and that's the problem here. Why would Pharaoh not say right now? Well, Egyptians considered the frogs sacred. Uh, they were signs of life, fertility, renewal, and happiness. They also kept the insects in check. It's no different today. Um, frogs became sin because they became idols to the Egyptians, and they didn't want to let that go. And it's no different than today. Frogs today are considered an indicator species of how our environment is doing. I worked for the Forest Service for 31 years and for Collins Pine as a forester for nine more years. And every lawsuit had the yellow-legged frog or some salamander or you name it, it was something to stop the timber sale. They become an idol to some people. I was looked down the street when I was writing this. I looked down one of the kids down the street on the back of their car. They had old growth forests forever, from coast to coast, or even better, let's coexist, or climate change, or no borders. We all get these things, and we get so wrapped up in them that that becomes our God. I don't think you will see this young man that I was talking about these on the back of his car. I don't think you're going to see him in a pew the next time you're in church. He's too busy with his idol. The other reason I don't think Faster, uh, uh, Pharaoh wanted to, to do it was because Pharaoh considered himself to be a god. If he acknowledged uh, the real God, the one and only God, then what would, he would be giving away his authority. So I, that was a, um, anyway. That's what the one of the reasons he didn't do it. Um, so why did Pharaoh say tomorrow? He was holding on to what was once useful, sacred, and and sovereign, but now it was a plague. What lesson is there in there for us? We have our own frogs. Uh, it may be my, uh, this young man who above worshipped the forest and uh, uh, liberalism before God. My, and, and my son one time, I asked him, he called me, he was out fishing, he's a bass fisherman. And he, and he called and said, I'm on the lake and I'm doing so good. I said, why aren't you in church? I am. I'm out in church and my boat on the water... Uh, worshiping creation, and I and I said to my and I said to him, Lance, you can't fool me. You're not thinking about God right now. <clears throat> it could be anything. It could be any of these. Uh, with me, uh, I, I, Pastor said sometimes you just have to share what you've went through to share a point, and mine was alcohol. Uh, I only and I said to myself, and I said to my wife, I only drank socially. My whole family drinks. I don't want to be left out of the family gatherings. This is what happens to this. You might say, I only drink to take the edge off and after a stressful day at work. Or my wife and I are having problems, so I drink to forget. As of 
2005, there were 25 million alcoholics in America. There are, there are 25 million people who put drinking before family, friends, and most importantly, God. Uh, and I guarantee you, not one said, today I am going to be part of the 25 million. Instead, we say, I've got it under control, it's not bothering me, or I can stop whenever I want until one day we realize we have lost control and need help. This is not limited to just alcohol. Today it's marijuana, or it could be opioids, or anger, or social media, or porn, or lying. Just fill in the blank. And then like Pharaoh, we realize our frog, or frogs, are becoming a problem. They are no longer sacred or useful, but are a hindrance, even harmful. My magicians can't get rid of them. I must call on the Lord. Verse 8 says, Pharaohs call, call Moses and Aaron, but we call on Jesus. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 5, 8, or 2.18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So we call on uh, our, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus and uh, here is where the Lord allows our free will to decide verse 9 says glory over me when shall I entreat for thee Moses told Pharaoh in other words I am going to give you the honor of setting the time why does God do this because we will have exhausted all our efforts and that is that and God is the only one that can help verse 10 says that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God that's our free will Hebrews 4:16 says let us let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. I don't think I gave that one to you, did I, Chris? Let's read verse 10 again. And he said tomorrow, and he, and he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. This brings us to the most amazing response given in Scripture tomorrow. We are a very impatient people that most of the time say today or yesterday. As mentioned earlier, Pharaoh wanted to hold on to what was once sacred, something once looked as good and necessary. And we all do that. We've all done that. Um, like Pharaoh and the frogs, we will say, I drink too much, smoke or chew, I'm on the computer and phone too much. I watch too much TV. I'm reading stuff I shouldn't. I weigh too much. And you say, Lord, I need to stop. Maybe I'll stop tomorrow. Next week, or my New Year's resolution will be. Another is 
another one that I haven't mentioned yet, but is the most important, is the need for Jesus in our life. But we will say, I, I know I need Jesus in my life, or I almost went forward today, maybe tomorrow, or next week. We have a million excuses to put it off to t- tomorrow. I want one more Sunday at the lake, I'll say, with my family and friends, the world, or Egypt. The problem with saying tomorrow is your heart will grow hard like Pharaoh's did in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Once they are no longer a plague or or harmful, then we turn we won't listen sometimes. Hebrews four seven says, Today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hebrews eleven twenty five says, Because although there is pleasure in sin for a season, the end result is always destruction. If Pharaoh would have said right now and let God's people go, he and his people would have been spared horrible hardships. And each and every day that we hold on to something, we are delaying the good that can come from God removing these sins. So how, how do we say right now, Lord? I'll give you four, re- four ways that, and I didn't think these up. They came from commentary. Um, How do we say right now, Lord? Number one, realize. Sin is bad. Not because it's bad, but because it's harmful. It's harmful to us, our loved ones, and most of all, our relationship with God. We also have to realize we are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Realize your frog is something you put before your God. Number two is repent. Instead of justifying, rationalizing, excusing, or holding on to our sin for a little while longer, call it what it is and ask the Lord to remove it right now. In verse 12 it says, Moses cried unto the Lord. The Hebrew word translated cry places emphasis on the need at hand and God's willingness to act. Exodus 3.9 says, The cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Exodus 22.27 says, And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am, I am gracious. If God is willing to act, then don't put it off. If you put it off or say, I will ask God tomorrow, you may not feel the need or your heart might harden like Pharaoh's did in verse 15. A farmer was repairing the roof on his barn, and when he started sliding down, he called to the Lord, realizing his situation was dire he cries out to the Lord save me and I will give you my life 
at which point his belt loop caught on the nail and his inevitable fall was stopped. He looked up and said, never mind, Lord, the nail saved me. Like the farmer, Pharaoh no longer saw a need for God. Wrong. If Pharaoh would have glorified God, did as he was told, he would have spared himself, his family, and his country the unbelievable horror that awaited him. Number three is remember. The rest of Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 tells us that when Jesus died, uh, died on the cross, not, not only was the penalty of sin paid for, but the power of sin was broken. We may choose to sin, keep it around until tomorrow, but we never have to sin because the power of Christ resides in us. Cry out. That's what I did with drinking. The day that I called out to the Lord and said, I cannot do this myself, I tried several times to ask my wife. I was out at deer camp in the woods alone and cried out to the Lord. And I have not had one drink since, and that was in 1994. God can take these away from us. Number four is refuse. To remain where the frogs are, we have to do that willingly. How do we do this? We don't, we don't God does. As we read on, unannounced at this time, God plagues Egypt with lice. Why not announce it? In verses 16 through 19, as we read these, uh, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto fair Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with the rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man, <clears throat> and in the beast all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Um, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. I believe the announced plagues gave the magicians the ability to duplicate. Thus they didn't have the, to acknowledge it was of God. Uh, but this time, with the lice, they did have to, in verse 19. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And then Romans 20 through 24, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. He cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of Egyptians shall be full of the swarm of flies also on the ground where they are. And I will serve, sever in that day 
the land of Goshen in which the, my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarms of flies into the houses of Pharaoh, and into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. The next plague makes perfect sense. In verse 13, it says, The frogs died out. And in verse 14, it says, And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Uh, it was a, <clears throat> a time when I was an early Christian. I just, and I used to, I think I've shared this before, but I'd go to the training for the Forest Service is always held in, in Redding, California. And so we'd go down to Santa Motel, and I'm, I'm newly saved, and I'm hungry for God's Word. Just, uh, just, just couldn't get enough of it, and I still can't. But, uh, but one night I called my wife, and it was going to be a Wednesday evening, and I'm down there in a motel in, in Redding, California, and I told her, I said, I just feel the need to go to church somewhere, but I don't know where to go. So I got the yellow pages out, and I tried to find a church that was within walking distance of where I was, a good Bible-believing church. And I found one, and I went down there, and the Lord blessed me with just some wonderful people. They just, they welcomed me uh, so much. But there was a man called Jason that came, an evangelist that came that night. And he shared his story about um, his salvation experience. And he, and he told it kind of this way. I'll be real quick with it. And I can't do it exactly like he did. It was a very dynamic speaker with a voice that just, just bellowed out. He was a big man, probably 340 pounds and six foot six and just a big guy. But he was telling the story and he said he was sitting there in his house and he was sitting in his chair and, it, and the arms were all worn out and tattered and they were torn and everything. He's watching something he shouldn't be watching on TV and there's a knock at the door. And he, so he had a little thing to look and he looks and he sees it's Jesus and he, he shuts it and says, I'll be right back. He runs and he he covers up the arms of the chair that are all torn and everything with some towels and he turns the TV station to something nice and he runs and picks up all the beer cans and takes them and puts them in the kitchen over in the corner and he goes and he lets Jesus in. And Jesus is talking to him and everything and he says, he, well, he's, Jesus is just walking through the house and he sees the beer cans in the corner and he says, uh, can I go up to your attic? And Jason said, no, I can't. That's locked. You can't go up there. And so Jesus left. But the moral of the story is you can't keep them around. You can't keep these little things off in the attic and not give them to Jesus. You have to give everything to Jesus. So I was just blessed that night by just going to church and, and learning something new. Um, it's just a reminder of hanging out just a little longer. And if we, and if we stay in the world... That's what happens. You're just holding on to these little things that you need to just just get rid of. These flies and frogs tormented and destroyed the people. Um, uh, 
in Psalms seventy-eight forty-five, he says he sent divers sorts of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs which destroyed them. Uh, but here is the good part. Read uh, twenty-two and twenty-three of chapter eight. And I will sever in the day that the land goes of Goshen. Uh, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. God creates the first no-fly zone. <laughs> so, yeah. um, the Hebrews suffered some of the plagues, but not all. The flies, the livestock, hail, darkness, death of the firstborn, they did not have to bear. Um, it's like that with the Christian. I had, I, I have to deal, I had to deal with cancer twice, but I no longer have to deal with alcoholism or to, to uh, chewing tobacco use because my, my relationship with Jesus, Psalms 4.3 says, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for his... Um, I wish I could read my writing. For himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every everyone that nameth the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. We can't live in the world the way we used to. God put a division between Egypt, or the world, and his people. But Egypt, or the world, won't let you go easily. 8.25 says, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land, but do it here. He wouldn't let him go too far. Moses says in 8.27, We will go three days' journey into the wilderness, as he commanded us. Pharaoh says in 8.28, Only ye shall not go very far away. And then in 32 says, Neither would he let the people go. <clears throat> Egypt or the world and Satan will try to keep you in the world so they can influence our worship, and as we see, they have been successful today. God has put a division between, because in James 4 it says, Know ye not that the friendship to the world is an enmity with God. In conclusion, when we know the frogs got to go, and God asks when, don't say tomorrow. Say right now. My friend and my pastor that I got saved under, loved him to death. He was my, my greatest friend at the time too. Uh, brought me to the, uh, anyway, adored frogs. Not because they reminded him of sin, but because they of what the letters reminded him of. Fully rely on God. And 
to this day, I've, I've got the little frog he gave me sitting on the, a stand in our house, and, and it de- definitely reminds me of that. You don't have to suffer one more minute with your frog. God will help in our time of need. God gives us free will like he did Pharaoh in verse 9, but let our response be your will, Lord, not mine. Father God, Lord, I love you. We love you. And we thank you for your word, Lord, that you preserved. We can read these stories of old, Lord, but know that the it wasn't just meant for Pharaoh, Lord. Everything in there is applicable to us today. You preserved your word for that reason, Lord. We love you and we pray for Pastor and Melanie, Lord, as they travel. I pray that they get there safely and just put your hedge of protection around them, Lord, and bring them back safely to us. We love you, Lord, with all our heart, soul, and mind. And Lord, I, uh, as Bob had said earlier about the ministry down at the Sisters Living, Lord, it's an honor and a privilege to serve our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.